We're about a week from Christmas. Are you guys excited about that? Yep. I, I love Christmas lights. Uh, we put, I, I put up our tree uh, on November 25th. Um, I, I love Christmas lights. I love the, the glow that comes to your house when you turn the lights off and uh, the glow of the, the Christmas tree just kind of fills your living room. Uh, man, I don't know about you, but I love that. I love that. And it seems like where, wherever we look um, in the world, uh, there's just, uh, the world is just wrapped in millions and millions of Christmas lights. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that. You know, Americans, I looked up, Americans spend about $6 billion uh, a year on Christmas decorations, and that includes lights. Um, so we love that. I love that. But man, why, why do we do it? Like, I, I don't think that we really do anything like arbitrarily or just kind of uh, for, for random uh, choices. Uh, why, why do we do this? What, what is it with the Christmas lights? What do the Christmas lights mean? Uh, because they mean something. Um, they're, they're a symbol of, of a truth, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I want to take you into Isaiah 42.16 really quick to kind of start things off. And it's there on the screen. It's not our text for today, uh, but it's something to start off. Isaiah 42.16 says, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light the rough places, into level grounds. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. I do not forsake them. Guys, God is talking about uh, a Messiah is coming. Uh, the world is dark, and, and he's bringing a light to the world, and that's Jesus. You know, there's dozens of scriptures in the Bible um, about darkness and light, and uh, man, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was going through all the scriptures, just familiarizing myself with this theme of, of darkness and light. And there's a lot of them. I almost wanted to give all of them to you so you could see uh, the theme of darkness and light in scripture. But I knew I couldn't do that from a, a preaching standpoint. But I'm going to share with you some scriptures today about darkness and light. Man, and, and I want you guys to know that when you see these themes in Scripture and this language of darkness and light in the Bible, it's not just like a, a, a poetic literary device to creatively draw you into the Scripture. That's, it's not just that. Guys, it's real. The darkness of the world is real. And the light is real. The light of Jesus is real. And we're going to see that today. And we're going to learn three things today about this light, this hope uh, from Christ and how it affects our lives. So let's get into Isaiah. We're in Isaiah chapters 8 and 9. Isaiah is this prophecy from the prophet Isaiah that God spoke to Israel through uh, many, many, many years ago before Jesus came, about 700 years before Jesus, I believe. In the scripture, we're going to start in chapter 8, verse 17. And it says this, it says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. 
If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look on the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into darkness. Guys, I want to give you, I want to paint for you uh, an honest picture of Christmas because I don't think we get that in our culture. I think we get a lot of like, you know, the exciting like goodness and the, you know, the hope of Christmas, but man, we need the whole story. We need to know where this hope is coming from. Man, why do we need hope? So I want to paint for you an honest, truthful, full picture of what Christmas means today from this text. I just saw Star Wars last night. Anybody in here see Star Wars, the new one? Three people. Four. There were two people in the first service. I couldn't believe it. Guys, Star Wars, as you know, there is this theme in Star Wars, and, and it's permeated all through the newest one, is darkness and light. You got the light side, and you got what? The dark side. You got the light side, and you got the dark side. Man, you got good clashing with evil. Good clashing with evil. Almost every movie has this. Every movie has this, this dominant story arc of good against evil. I've been learning more about it. I love movies. I watch a lot of movies, so I pick up on these things. And I, I've been learning more about it as, as, as I've been watching movies with my oldest daughter, Mackenzie. She's three now. And when she first started watching movies, she was probably like one and a half or two. And I was like, you know, I want to be careful with these movies that, you know, she watches because I know about these themes so, so we get the movie My Little Pony, right? My Little Pony. And I'm like, okay, cool, this works. And I'm watching this movie with her, and it's about a haggard old witch that's trying to kill ponies. <laughs> you can't get away from it. You cannot get away from this theme of darkness and light, of goodness versus evil. Even in our cartoons, it's in everything. Why? Man, you watch all the Marvel movies? I watch all the Marvel movies. I love the Marvel movies. I watch them all. Every single movie has the theme of good versus evil. Every single movie is about the people crying out. They're in trouble. They need somebody to save them. Somebody comes, saves them. And by the end of the movie, everything is restored back to normal. Every single movie. Why? Why do we watch these movies? Why do we produce and write these movies with as much passion and vigor that we watch them? Why? Why do we love these movies? Why do we spend so much money on watching these movies? I do it. I do it. And I love the movies. But why? Guys, it's because this, this story, this story, it's written on our hearts. It's written on our hearts and it's coming out into our creativity, into our movies. Guys, we are in the story. Whether we realize it or not, most of these producers and writers, they probably don't even realize it, but it doesn't just sell. Guys, the reason it sells is because we're in the story. There's something inside of us that's saying, save me. I don't know what to do. Something isn't right. 
We're in trouble. And we need somebody to rescue us. It's a true story that we're all a part of in our lives and in this world. And it's just coming out into our movies. It's manifesting itself in our creativity. Why? Guys, what is this darkness? What is this darkness? Man, in the time of Isaiah's ministry, when this was written, the world was a dark place. Man, it was drowning in, in poverty. It was drowning in poverty and violence and injustice, abuse of power, refugees fleeing oppression, discrimination, families were being ripped apart, bottomless grief, untold suffering, our th- their thoughts, their impulses, anger, frustration, insecurity. <laughs> it sounds like today. Does it not? It sounds just like today. Whether it was the time of Isaiah, same things in the time of Jesus, and, and, and it's the same thing today. The world is dark. The world is dark. Guys, Israel continued to turn away from God at this time of Isaiah. They were turning away from God and pursuing the things of the world. Look at the text. What's it say? It says they looked to the earth. They looked to the earth. They were looking to themselves, to anything in the world to fulfill themselves, to anything in the world for answers. Guys, they were going to the mystics. Look at the text. They were going to the mystics, to the mediums, the psychics, the magicians. They were going to the experts for an edge on life. They were going to the experts for an edge on life, man. And and it was bearing bad fruit. It was bearing bad fruit in their lives. And and what, what does the text say? It says that they were speaking against each other. They were speaking against each other and their king and, and their leader. They were enraged. Guys, they were living in distress and darkness. Sin is so disorienting them that they don't even know they're left from their right. They don't even know up from down. That's what sin does. It blinds us. Man, when we sleep, my wife likes to keep our room completely dark. I mean, there is not a single light. Our room while we sleep is like a dark black abyss. <laughs> I find myself waking up in the middle of the night. Sometimes my head is at the foot end of the bed. I've almost fallen off my bed before because I'm so disoriented when I'm sleeping. I don't know left from right or up from down. And I find myself in these weird positions in the middle of the night because it's so dark in our room. Guys, that's, that's, that's what we're living our lives like because of sin. We don't know left from right and up from down. We're seeing all these inconsistencies in the world. Man, we're seeing in the media, you know, this backlash against sexual harassment, and there should be backlash, this abuse. But we're not okay with that, which is good, but we are okay with, we're, we're okay with objectifying women and men in, in entertainment and movies and shows and stuff. We're okay with that. But it's not okay when people are being harassed and abused. Guys, that's inconsistent. We don't know left from right. We don't know up from down because of sin. Guys, sin has so disoriented us and so separated us from God that we don't even know that we're walking in the darkness until we see the light, until we get the light. 
Guys, today we look to the mystics, we look to the scientists, right? We look to the scientists and the scholars and we look uh, to these people for the edge on life. And we're willing to say it's dark. We are. We're willing to say, man, this is messed up. The world is messed up. We are willing to say that. But what we're saying is we can fix it. We can fix it through our intellect, through our innovation, through our technology, all of these things, the market, through the state, governance. Man, don't get me wrong, these aren't bad things in and of themselves. A lot of these things are good, but we're going to them for the wrong reason. Guys, the belief that we can save ourselves and fix ourselves only leads to more darkness, and that's what we're seeing. It's just leading to more darkness. Don't let the bubbles that we live in deceive you. Don't let the bubbles that we live in deceive you. And what I, what I mean is, is man, when I, when I go about my day-to-day life, you know, I'll wake up and just take care of what needs to be taken care of in the home, and, you know, I'll go to the church or something, and, and maybe I'll go to the gas station or the grocery store. I'll go to the library with my kids, or I'll drop off my, uh, my oldest daughter at the uh, nursery school, and maybe go to my parents' house or... You know, whatever it is, wherever my life takes me on a day-to-day basis, man, what I see on TV, I don't see in my day-to-day life. I don't see that, man. I just see normal people doing their thing just like me, and I don't see the sin. But guys, don't be deceived. The sin is there. It's in here. It's in our hearts. It's in our thoughts and our impulses. And rarely do we see it in public. But man, we experience it privately in our homes, behind closed doors, in our homes and in our families and in our marriages. We see it. Don't be deceived by by your day-to-day life and these bubbles that we live in. Guys, the message of the Bible is not that we live in a world of light. And occasionally there's a, a little bit of darkness. The message of the Bible And the gospel informs us that the world is shrouded in darkness. It's shrouded in darkness. And if there's any little bit of light in the world, it's because of the grace of God. It's because of the grace of God working amid the darkness. I want to show you a Tim Keller quote. Tim Keller is like my pastor crush. Sorry, Ezra. Tim Keller, I read all his books, and you know, I've really gotten into him a lot, um, and I appreciate his wisdom, but he says, Christianity does not agree with the optimist thinkers who say, we can fix things if we try hard enough. Nor does it agree with the pessimists who see only a dystopian future. The message of Christianity is, instead, things really are this bad. They really are. They really are this bad, and we can't heal and save ourselves. Things really are this dark. They really are this dark. But nevertheless, there's hope. There's hope. That's where Christianity gets it right. Different from everything else. There's hope. Guys, I want to talk to you about this hope. And the first thing I want to talk about is in verse 2. And we're going to hang on that for a little bit. Man, I just want you guys to know and see in this scripture, and it says in verse 2, It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Guys, look at the words. On them the light has shone. It doesn't say from them. It doesn't say from us the light has shone. It says on them the light has shone. The light is coming not from us. It's coming from above. It's coming from Jesus. Guys, Star Wars is correct, man. There is a light side and there is a dark side. There's no Jedi or Force or anything like that. But there is a light side and there is a dark side at play. They're getting that right. Man, the Marvel movies are correct. We really are in trouble. Man, we're in trouble and we need somebody to save us. They're getting that correct. But man, what I pick up on all these movies that we watch, on all these movies that we watch, here's where the Marvel movies get it wrong. And again, it's a projection of our hearts. It's the stories that we're writing in these movies that's coming from our hearts because we're seeing what we believe in these movies. In these movies, the darkness is almost never from the world. It's never from us. Where is it from? It's from another planet. The darkness is from above. It's from another planet, from another world or something. And in these movies, where is the Savior from? It's from us. The light is from us. These movies are telling you, you can be Captain America. Captain America is you. Batman is you. Man, who else? Spider-Man is you. Iron Man is you. These are all superheroes that are us. They're coming from us. And these movies are telling us that we can save ourselves. We can be the light. Man, Guys, one of the movie trailers I saw last night before the Star Wars movie started, I kid you not, I'm watching these trailers and, and there's uh, almost all of the, tra the movie trailers had something to do with goodness and evil and light and dark. And one of them was so blatant, I, I almost bursted out laughing. The, the, the slogan for this movie at the end of the trailer was this, to defeat darkness, we must be the light. We must be the light. I almost bursted out laughing. And I told my friend sitting next to me, Charles, I was like, dude, I'm preaching on that tomorrow. <laughs> it was a confirmation to me, like, you know, like, this message is real, man. Like, God has laid this on my heart, and all of this stuff is just confirming it. And, and, and I see that in the, on the movie screen, and I just almost burst out laughing. Guys, we want to believe that we can fix this thing and make this world a better place. We want to believe that my marriage is good. I just got to try harder. We want to believe that my family's, it's going to be okay if I just try harder. If I just try harder, and that's not how it works. We feel like we can be our own light and our own savior. The Bible tells us, and what Christmas tells us is the opposite, that the darkness is not from another planet. It's not from another planet. It's from us. It's from us. And what the Bible tells us that the movies don't is that our Savior is not from us. It's from above. And Jesus. Guys, the next point I want to make is just the, is in verses 3 through 5. It says this, the light, it, it, it's for us. 
The scripture says this in verses three through five, the light is for us. It says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Median. For every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be churned as fuel for the fire. Guys, the light is for us. This, this scripture here, these two verses is saying it's done. The work is done. God is going to do the work. He is going to come and he's going to do it all for us. He's going to do the work and he's going to save us. He's going to bring that light. He's going to show it. It's the only way. God has done the work for us and it's a gift. It's a free gift of grace and there's no strings attached. There's no strings attached, man. God has done this work. He is going to break the oppression. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. He's talking about his work. His work that saves us and his work that transforms us. Is it really a good and loving, gracious God that you have to earn our way to? Man, am I being, am I being a, a, a loving, gracious father if my daughters have to constantly feel like they have to earn their way to get my love, to get my favor? No, it's not. Guys, the love is in the gift. It's in the free gift of grace on the cross Guys, the light is for us. The light is for us in the sense that it's given to us. God has this thing and he's, he's giving it to us. It's for us and we don't have to do anything but put our faith and trust in Christ and surrender to him. We bring nothing to the table. So how is he going to increase our joy? How is he going to increase our gladness that we see in this text? In verses 6 through 7, and this is my next point. So we've seen the light is on us. The light is for us. And what we see here is the light was born. The light was born. In verses 6 through 7, it says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Messiah will be born. The light will be born. Because of sin, we are, we are the darkness. We are the darkness, and yet by his free gift of grace, God has shown us the light, and it's, it's in this child that was born in a manger. It's the Messiah that the prophets have been prophesying for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I just want to share with you just two texts from the Gospel of John as we're on this theme of lightness and darkness, and it says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And John 8, 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The world is a dark place, and we will never find our way or see reality without the light of Jesus. On our church planning team a couple weeks ago, we were sharing our testimonies in a circle. It was awesome. And we got to hear these testimonies and how we've all come from darkness and now the light is dawning in our lives. We're not complete. We're not, we're not, we're not all the way there yet. But we're seeing the light of Jesus transform our lives, transform our hearts. Man, we're excited what God can do in the Doylestown community through this church plant, through his light, not ours, through his, through his light. Man, even as someone who follows Jesus, maybe you've given your life to Christ, you put your faith and trust of him, you put your faith and trust in him, but we still, we have these dark places, these dark corners in our hearts. Man, have you surrendered? Have you surrendered to Jesus to start cleaning out and shining his light in these dark places in your heart. Man, I gave my life to Christ in the winter of 2008 and 2009. That was down in Georgia after I met my wife. And God started doing some things quickly in my heart, transforming me in ways. But I was still chasing after fleshly things. I still had sin, and I still do. But at that point, man, I was not surrendered to Jesus. I believed and I had my faith in Christ. But I was not surrendered and that was playing out in my life in more dark ways. And I remember when we moved up here in 2011, we started going to this church in a movie theater called Riverside. And God started working. And that's when I surrendered. That's when I surrendered. And I really started to be propelled into his purpose when I surrendered. And God really started transforming my heart was through this surrender to the work of Christ on the cross. Man, guys, where is the darkness in your life? I don't care if you're a believer. Even if you are a believer, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, where is the darkness in your heart? We all have it. I have it. Man, my marriage and my kids, God has shown me more darkness in my heart <laughs> through my marriage and through my kids than I would ever care to imagine. But it's a good thing because it's propelling me towards Jesus. It's propelling me to want his light more. It's making me depend on him more. And he's showing me his light progressively and gradually and healing my heart one day at a time. The process is slower than I want it to be. But it's working. And it's happening because of his light. Not my own effort. Not my own strength. Guys, if all you're doing in your pursuit of God and your marriage and your family and your relationships is working and just trying harder, it won't work. It will not work. Our downfall is the insistence. It's the insistence that the light of my life comes from me. It's the insistence that the light of the world com comes from the world. That's our downfall. I mean, we're holding out on this idea that somehow, some way, there is enough goodness in my heart that can win over God, that can heal and change my heart, and it just won't happen. If you're just a little bit honest with yourself, you can see your impulses and your thoughts and your interactions, your insecurity and frustrations and the poverty of your heart. Something isn't right. 
Something isn't right. Guys, the darkness is too thick for our own effort to crack. We need the light of Jesus to crack this darkness and get underneath the surface. To get underneath the surface. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. He was born to go to the cross. Man, guys, God designed us to to live forever. We weren't born to die. But sin has ruined his, his, his plan. He's, it has ruined his creation. And now we die. Death is our greatest enemy. It's our greatest enemy. Jesus was born for death, but he was also born for resurrection. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we start dying to our sin. We start dying to our flesh. And we start to become resurrected. Resurrected into newness of life and the way God wants us to live. Guys, you know, many of those movies that I've been talking about, they all have that moment, you know, where things are okay, and then the people get in trouble, and then there's the cry for help. There's the cry for help. So in Batman, it's the bat signal. It's the bat signal that goes into the sky, and Batman comes, and he saves the day, and everything turns back to normal. Guys, that's what the manger is. It's not a signal or anything from us. God hears our cries, and that's what the manger is. The manger is God saying, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. It's God saying, I'm coming to take you home. I'm coming to take you home. That's what the manger is. That's what Christmas is. Guys, the world is darker than our prideful hearts will ever give it credit for. But the light of Jesus is brighter than our cynical hearts can ever imagine. And the hope and the abundance of joy and the gladness and the increase and the eternity is more than we can ever possibly imagine in this life. But if we pursue Jesus If we put our faith and trust in Christ and pursue Jesus, He's going to take us there. He's going to take us there. Will you receive this joy? Will you receive this joy, this gladness, this increase, this counsel, this might, this eternity, this peace? Have you surrendered? If you've put your faith and trust in Christ, are you surrendered? Are you surrendered to Jesus and what He did on the cross and allow Him to be working in and through you and changing your life? Let's pray.